Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the Bible series in the book of Isaiah with part one of this message entitled, Jesus Christ, the Lord of History, preached December the 1st, 2002. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Isaiah chapter 13. Jesus Christ, the Lord of History. Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 3 and article 1, reads like this. God from all eternity did, by the most wise and holy counsel of his own will, freely and unchangeably ordain whatsoever comes to pass. And in chapter 5, article 1 reads like this, God, the great creator of all things, doth uphold, direct, dispose, and govern all creatures, actions, and things, from the greatest even to the least, by his most wise and holy providence, according to his infallible foreknowledge and the free and immutable counsel of his own will, to the praise of the glory of his wisdom, power, justice, goodness, and mercy. And I believe every word of it. That's why I can have confidence in God. Even at the time like this when terrors are unleashed throughout the world. Ever since 9-11 you are anxious. Life is not the same at all. You cannot get into a plane without wondering. Whether a heat-seeking missile has been sent. You are going to war. We are never the same. And unless you believe in what I just said, you will have no security. Through God's Son, the eternal word, all things were made. And without him, nothing was made that has been made. This Son, eternal God, also, we are told, sustains all creation by his powerful word. Let me read to you this great word from St. Paul, Colossians chapter 1, and beginning with verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God. Jesus Christ we are talking about. The firstborn over all creation. Meaning the preeminent one. For by him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. 
neither Lord Krishna, Lord Buddha, or Pro- Prophet Muhammad, or anyone else is the Lord of history. According to God's infallible word, Jesus Christ is the Lord of history, for he created all things. He sustains all things. He is the owner of all things. He is the judge of all. He alone also is the savior of the world. And he alone guides the entire history to its preordained consummation. He is king of Israel, but he is also the king of the whole world. He is king of kings and lord of lords. He judges the pride of all rational creatures, men and angels, every single one. Through pride, creatures try to become God. That is the essential definition of pride. Every proud man is attempting to deification to be equal with God and the Lord Jesus Christ therefore opposes all such pride of rational creatures he puts down the arrogant individual arrogant nation and arrogant united nations but he exalts the humble so we are talking about nations in these chapters nations nations that God's son controls and so you read nations like Assyria, Babylon, Egypt Philistia, Moab, Damascus, Cush, Tyre, Eden, Arabia. And chapter 24 speaks about the whole earth. It is his earth. And he governs it, controls it, rules it, disposes it. So first we want to look at proud Babylon that opposes Christ. Isaiah particularly deals with Babylon in these chapters. It's interesting, in the days of Isaiah, there was no Babylon as an empire. Babylon came into such power 100 years after the time of Isaiah. But God reveals these things. We have a God who declared the End from the beginning. I believe in such God who sees all things at one view. Big God, infinite in wisdom. And he reveals the rise of Babylon. Hundred years from the time of Isaiah, he reveals that truth hundred years before to Isaiah his prophets so you notice chapter 13 verse 1 an oracle a declaration concerning Babylon 
Isaiah, son of Amos, saw. He was given to see. Babylon must be understood as the representative kingdom that is against God. It is seen as the anti-kingdom. It is seen as the kingdom of Satan. It is seen as the jewel and glory of all kingdoms, we are told in verse 19 of chapter 13. She is drunk with culture. Drunk with idolatry. She is drunk with economic might. She is drunk with military might. You have read chapter 3 of Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar made an image, I believe, of himself. 90 feet high and 9 feet wide. Image of gold. Imagine the arrogance, the pride. And he demands all to worship him, including the Hebrews who were worshippers of true God and who were prohibited by commandment to worship idol. Turn with me to the book of Daniel, which you have read, chapter 4. Let us look at this arrogance. Revealed in the declaration of Nebuchadnezzar. Chapter 4 beginning with verse 28 of Daniel. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. He said and I must say he said by the inspiration of Satan. Because behind all nation, every nation, is Satan. And behind every sinner is Satan. And so he said, is not this the great Babylon? I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power. And for the glory Of my majesty. Now we we just read to you. That God does everything to the praise of the glory of his wisdom, power, justice, goodness and mercy. But here Nebuchadnezzar says. Great Babylon I have built. As the royal residence by my mighty power. And for the glory of my majesty. What? Arrogance, what self sufficiency, what independence, what wickedness that a creature is manifesting here in this sentence. Or turn to chapter 5. This playboy Belshazzar gave a great feast. And verse 3 of chapter 5 so they 
They brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem. And the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines drank from them. As they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze and iron and wood and stone. Suddenly, there appeared a hand that wrote something on the wall. Many, many tackle parts and you are counted, you are weighed, you are divided and given over to Medes and Persians. Belshazzar's knees knocked and gave way. And I am talking to us about Jesus Christ as the Lord of history who can make your knees knock. And give way at any moment you are held by him. In him all things hold together and consist. So turn to chapter 14 of Isaiah. Now let me read from verse 12. How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn. Speaking about planet Venus. The king of Babylon is likened to planet Venus who shines very brightly early in the morning. And thinks it is the sun. But the sun rises and the glory disappears instantly. That's the idea here. How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn. You've been cast down to the earth. You who once laid low the nations. Oh God is the Lord of history. He raises up a nation. He puts down the nation. He uses a nation as club in his hand. To discipline other nations. Oh Babylon you laid waste in nations. But now you are cast down to the earth. By the Lord of history. Now look at verse 13. The pride of every man, every boy, every girl is expressed here. It happens in your heart, in your mind. It is the attitude of your heart. You have two dollars. You live in 5,000 square feet home. You have seven bathrooms. And you just bought... Dodge Viper with the V10 and 500 horsepower. And you have a PhD in addition to that. And you look pretty healthy. You, and even look handsome. What more you want. And you have a job and you have certain power. And you don't know what to do. And you pretend to be now God. So notice verse 13, you said in your heart, that's where sin begins, in your heart you said. Now there is five declarations beginning with I will. I will. This is the attitude of king of Babylon. Not a specific king, but any king. By satanic endowment and inspiration. What is he saying? I will ascend to heaven. He doesn't like to be confined to earth. 
He doesn't want to be a creature. He doesn't want to be a finite being. He doesn't want to be subordinate and subject to God. I will ascend to heaven. Second, I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly. You are wondering what the meaning is. It's coming very quickly in the fifth I will. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. And now his heart attitude is made very clear in the fifth declaration. I will make myself like the most high. I will make myself like the most high God. Let me tell you this is what pride is. To be equal with God. To be a rival to God. To be an anti-God. And an anti-Christ. And in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, let me read verse 3. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for the day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped so that he sets himself up in God's temple proclaiming himself to be God. I hope you will uh, look at pride as it truly is. It is an attempt for self-deification. It is an attempt to become God. Babylon is inspired by the devil. Every proud man is directed by the devil who opposes God and desires to be equal to God though he is a creature of God and remember this devil inspired Adam and Eve turn with me to the book of Genesis let me read to you this is a very ancient issue to be like God professor John Murray said to be like God in one sense is the greatest piety But to be like God in another sense is the greatest sin and wickedness anybody can commit. And in that sense, devil wants to be God and man wants to be God. So let me read to you from Genesis 3 beginning with verse 4. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And they did. And they didn't become like God. They died. They ran. They were filled with shame and guilt. Cut off from the presence of God. The devil is a liar. He is the father of all lies. And how many of us believe him? Because he wants to exalt us. Or turn with me to the problem of Babel and Babylon. He is already revealed in chapter 11 of Genesis. As men moved, verse 2, eastward they found a plain in Shina, that's Babylon. And I was there recently looking at the Mesopotamian plain with a number of our people. 
the plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. They are not praising God. (laughs) They are not worshipping God. They are interested in self-esteem. A name for ourselves. And not to be scattered over the face of the whole earth. It was God's will that they should fill the earth. They said, I don't, we don't want to fill the earth. We want to be united and unitedly opposing God. We want to be self-sufficient, self-dependent. We don't want God. Look at verse 5. But the Lord came down to see the city and... Uh, the tower that man were building the Lord said if as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them come let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other so the Lord scattered them the Lord of history comes does his thing with you he opposes arrogance wherever it is found. They wanted to be gods and they could not. They all died. And I try to tell people when they are young and when they are newly married and, and, uh, and uh, after 10 years of marriage, 15 years of marriage, I don't know, something comes over them. They don't want to listen to you. And then they die. Pretending to be God. But God dies. And he is laid in the grave. Covered with worms and maggots. This arrogant man. Who was speaking all these things. Self deification. Is an impossible dream of creatures. It will never happen. There is only one God. The last time a fellow thought he was God. Was Hirohito. Remember him? And then, re- then he came. He thought he was God. And finally he found out he wasn't God. He surrendered. Uh, he came to the Disneyland. And uh, he had a picture taken with Mickey Mouse. <laughs> and I don't know. Did he die or not? Yeah, he wasn't God then. <laughs> you see? That's <laughs> a problem. Pharaohs, Caesars, Nebuchadnezzars, and Hirohitos of the world tried to be gods. Every man who is a sinner tries to be God. That's what pride is, and he will not be God. God puts you down. God opposes the proud. He puts down the proud. He dies. Maggots cover them. He falls. He's cast down. And man discovers he is not Lord. And so read chapter 14. uh, The the spirits of the departed kings in in Sheol. (laughs) Say, what happened to you, Nebuchadnezzar? King of Babylon, we thought you were mighty and powerful. You have become weak as we are. You died. You died. I have met with some of your parents. (laughs) A lot of them died. They didn't want God at all. (laughs) Oh, they were proud. Oh, proud. Oh, they smoked cigars and spoke about golf. 
I don't think anybody is going to eulogize me when I die saying that I was a good golf player. <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> he discovers finally he's not Lord. He dies. That he's mortal. He's not sovereign. He's weak. And that he is under the control of the Lord of history, Jesus Christ. So take a look at 13, Isaiah 13, verse 11. You see, he opposes the proud. And maybe there is some proud people sitting here and listening to me. And he's going to humble you. Oh, everybody. He will do it. And praise be to God when he does that. He brings you down from the stars into terra firma. And we discover we are just human beings who must breathe to live. Look at verse 11, 13, the chapter, I will punish the world for its evil. So it is not just Babylon. He's speaking about the whole world. Babylon represents all nations. I will punish the world for its evil, the wicked for their sins. I will put an end to the arrogance of the haughty and will humble the pride of the ruthless. Look at verse 19, Babylon, the jewel of kingdoms, the glory of the Babylonians, pride will be overthrown by God. Babylon, the anti-kingdom, opposes God's plan to save his people Israel. You must understand, Babylon is always opposed to Jerusalem, opposed to Israel, opposed to God's plan to save his people. We must see in the light of that. Opposes God's plan to save his people, Israel, through Jesus Christ, the seed of the woman. So Babylon is always opposing the coming of Jesus Christ, born of a woman. But Babylon is brought down. You see, if Babylon could destroy God's people, then there is no Jesus Christ. But it will never happen. There is a seed of the woman. But Babylon is brought down. And will be brought down. Satan is cast down. Israel is restored. Christ is born of the virgin. As Isaiah predicted. And he destroys all his evil enemies on the cross. And delivers his captives from sin and servitude to Satan. The seed of the woman crushed the head of the serpent. Let's praise God. And that's why we who were captives to Satan have been liberated. By Jesus Christ. Secondly, let's look at very simply... Christ cast down Babylon. I first spoke about the pride of Babylon. Secondly, Christ cast down Babylon. And you can read Jeremiah 50 and 51. uh, Speaks about the same thing. Chapter 14 and verse 24. First, let me tell you. Let me tell you something. God has a plan. He has a plan to save you and he has a plan to what? To destroy every arrogant man and kingdom of the world. He has a plan. 
He has that plan from all eternity. And so here it is in chapter 14 verse 24. The Lord Almighty has sown. Surely I have planned and so it will be. Only a sovereign one can say that. If he has planned it will be. <laughs> That's the way it is. And you can plan all you want. Doesn't mean it will be. You have all the plans and you go out and you die. Nothing happens. But the Lord of history, God planned from all eternity. And it says, and it shall be. And I have purpose so it will stand. Is there any enemy of God that will annul, thwart, frustrate, oppose effectually the plan of God? The answer is what? No, a thousand no. I have planned so it will be as I have purpose so it will stand and not only that take a look at verse 26 this is not just planned for Babylon but it is planned for the whole world this is the plan determined for the whole world in other words the arrogance of the whole world speaking about the United Nations the whole world this is the hand stretched out over all what nations that's why we don't have to deal with Damascus and Egypt and Arabia and Moab and Ammon. You don't have to just take one Babylon. It represents it all. This is the hand. The hand of the almighty God. The hand that stretched out against Pharaoh of Egypt. Your hand and my hand is not very powerful. It's the hand of a creature. But his hand. Is the almighty hand. Determined. By God. You don't like that? No it's too bad. It's too bad. God has to humble you. And humble you again. Humble you. And hit you this way. And hit you that way. Slap you this way. Slap you that way. Until you come and get on your knees. And say now I see it. You are sovereign. Infinite personal God. Almighty God. And I am not. I die. And I am dying. And look at verse 27. For the Lord Almighty has purposed. And who can thwart him. Nebuchadnezzar was cut down. And became like an animal for seven years. And he finally came and recognized this. You read chapter 4 of Daniel. He alone is able to do whatever he pleases. And nobody can thwart his purposes. His hand is stretched out and who can turn it back? No man can annul, frustrate, resist, oppose God. And not only that. The power of God. Not only the plan of God but the power of God. Is expressed in this expression. Which you find in 13 the chapter verse 6. And verse 13 and 14, the chapter 22, 23, 24, 27. What is that expression? The expression, the Lord the Lord Almighty is the one who plans. The Lord Almighty is powerful. 
Who can resist the Lord Almighty? No one. And not only that, look at verse 24. The Lord Almighty has what? Sown. Only three times in the book of Isaiah you find this expression. He did swear by himself. There is no one beyond him to swear. He swore. He has made a determination and it will take place. I hope that uh, anyone who is arrogant this morning will give up that and say, no, I will not succeed. Because God has sown, God has planned, God has purposed, God is almighty and he is the most high. But not only that, there is direct involvement of this Lord in history. Let's turn to chapter 14. And I found five I wills of God. (laughs) Before I told you five I wills of the king of Babylon. But there is five here. 14 verse 22. I will rise up against them. Who is that? The Lord Almighty. The most high. The Lord of history. The creator. And the sustainer. When he hears our arrogance, our attitude, our speaking in our heart that I am somebody. And he says what? I will arise against them. He opposes the proud. Arise against you. Against me. Against anyone. Notice that that's what it says. And this is a declaration of the Lord Almighty. It's not a little suggestion. It's not a wish. I wish, you know, I could oppose that arrogant nation. No. Declares. Secondly, it says, I will cut off from Babylon her name and survivors. God has a plan, no plan of remnant salvation for Babylon. He has a remnant idea for Israel, but not. I will cut off. Number three. I will turn her into a palace for owls. I mean, I'm sure people (laughs) probably looked at this prophecy during the high day of Babylon and laughed at it. We wouldn't have believed had somebody told us about 9-11 is going to happen. No, no, it doesn't. It wouldn't happen. (laughs) No, no, we are powerful. We are powerful. We are mighty I will make their palaces a place for owls. And number three, verse 23 of chapter 14. I will turn her into a place of owls. Number four. I will sweep her with the broom of destruction. Chaff. He brought you down. He's just garbage. And I travel quite a bit. And (laughs) what I'm traveling is all this... uh, Ruins, isn't it? Uh, Ruins of this and ruins of that. And I was in a in a church in uh, in uh, Turkey. It is it was church. I don't know whether you know it. I I had to go to bathroom and I went into this church. It it was uh, it was ruin. And so you can do whatever you want to do. (laughs) Ruins. And as I travel all around the world and see ruins, I see God. God's hand ruining everything. 
bringing down the arrogant nations and arrogant churches and arrogant tribes, arrogant everything. And look at verse 25, I will crush the Assyrians. <laughs> well, I hope we understand that it is better to give up pride and arrogance and the spirit of Babylon. Young man, young woman, father, mother, moneyed man and degreed man. I counsel you together with me to what? To give up pride. And not only that, take a look at chapter 13, verse 3, 5, 9, and verse 13. There is the expression of the wrath. Oh, people don't like that. We made God to be nice and loving and hugging. He never asks a question about moral issues. You can violate his laws at your pleasure, but he loves everybody. (laughs) But here it is. How many times? Four times the idea of wrath. I have, verse 3, I have summoned warriors to carry out my wrath. Summoned the Lord of history, summoned, and we are told nations gather together to do his bidding to put Babylon down. Wrath. Verse 5, the Lord and the weapons of his wrath to destroy the whole world. And look at verse 9. See the day of the Lord is coming. A cruel day with wrath and fierce anger. Look at verse 13. Therefore I will make the heavens tremble. And the earth will shake from its place. At the wrath of the Lord Almighty. In the day of his burning anger. And so when you read chapter 13. It says this is an oracle against Babylon. And look at verse 3. I have commanded. Means I myself have commanded. And what happens? Nations from afar. They come. They come. Merciless. Pitiless. They don't care for gold, silver. You cannot buy them off. Look at verse 17 of chapter 13. See, I will stir up against them the meats. And when you go to chapter 44, 150 years before the birth of Cyrus, God calls him by name. That's God. And look at verse 9 of chapter 13. You know, you have heard the expression, God hates sin, but he loves what? Sinners. That's a lie. That's a lie. If that is true, then God is going to deal with this theoretical sin somehow, and all sinners will be what? Say, it's not true. It's a lie. Somebody devised that and told you, and you believe it. No, God hates sin and sinners. He's angry at sinner daily. It's not that he's angry at sin as though it can be isolated from the individual. Now here it is, verse chapter 13, verse, verse 9. Take a look at it. See the day of the Lord is coming, a cruel day with wrath and fierce anger of God, that is. To make the land desolate, to destroy, what is it? Sinners within it. And you can go home and read 15 through 18 of this chapter. It says he's going to kill men and women and infants. Of course, the Medes and Persians are going to do the job, but it is under divine oversight of it. 
Can you imagine infants? Read it. It can be very difficult to understand. But that is the truth. But finally, verse 22. Uh, no, verse, uh, verse 19, it says, The paradigm of destruction is, I will make them what like Sodom and Gomorrah. And we have Sodom. I have gone to Sodom and Gomorrah. Have you? Yeah, it's, a, it's a Dead Sea area. <laughs> That's what Sodom and Gomorrah is all about. It's destroyed, wiped out. And can you imagine the, the Babylon spoken about it by God that one day it will be made like Sodom and Gomorrah. They wouldn't believe it. But read uh, chapter nine, uh, verse 19 through 22. That's what happened. It, this is interesting. Verse 22. Jackals in her luxurious palaces chattels wastelands ruins not even shepherds use that place anymore and if you want to believe it you go to Babylon it is modern Iraq they don't let you in but they they let you in then you go to this place and you see it as a ruin Known for its culture, idolatry, military might, economic might. Known for its hanging God and one of the seven wonders of the world. The Lord of history raises up a kingdom and puts it down. The Lord of history uses a kingdom as a club in his hand to punish another. Throughout history, the wrath of God has been revealed and experienced by nations. Babylon destroyed by Medo-Persia, Medo-Persia destroyed by Greece, Greece destroyed by Romans, and so on. Do you know today Saddam Hussein wants to rebuild Babylon and restore it to its original pomp and power? That's his ambition. And now you begin to wonder what we should do. That's why I'm preaching about Jesus Christ is the Lord of history. He controls them. He rules over them. He puts them up and puts them down. And he uses them as a club to discipline those who are arrogant. Then there is the arrogant Western nation. Against God Almighty. Go to the Western nations. They are against God. They laugh at God. They mock God. Western nations have become fools. A fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And all are trembling. Billions and billions of dollars gone. Heat-seeking missiles in Kenya. And people can get it <laughs> all over the place. Biological weapon and little dirty nuclear thing. And it is coming all over the place. We cannot control it. When you control here, it pops up over there, all over the world. The international travel has gone down and tourism is down. I'm just telling you, God, we cannot claim God to be on our side and he's against them. We all have become arrogant and self-sufficient. And we all began to trust in our culture, in our economic might, in our military might, and in our civilization that comes through Hollywood. And we have been pretty self-sufficient. We don't need God at all. 
Jesus Christ, the Lord of history, will deal with the pride of all individuals and groups and nations. I'm not speaking that one day he will do it. He has been doing it. Throughout history. He is doing it directly. He will deal in history and will bring history to a final conclusion by pouring out his wrath upon the final eschatological Babylon. And I don't have time to tell you, but turn to Isaiah 21 verse 9. And here it is, a passage that is repeated in the New Testament. Look, here comes a man in a chariot with a team of horses, and he gives back the answer. What is it? Babylon has fallen, has fallen. All the images of its gods lie shattered on the ground. That message is coming to people who are at ease. Verse 5, they set the tables, they spread the rocks, they eat, they drink, and so on. When you least expect, the Lord of history does his thing. Puts down the arrogance. But praise be to God. He also lifts up the humble. I hope you will say. I want to humble myself. Thank you God. For giving me the opportunity. Let me read to you this. Verse 22 of chapter 13. Hyenas will howl in her strongholds. Jackals in her luxurious palaces. Her time is what? At hand. And her days will not be prolonged. That means. It's not happened yet. There is a little time. For humbling ourselves. You know let me ask you simply. If you haven't trusted in Jesus Christ alone. The reason for that is human arrogance. It is the spirit of Babylon. That's the reason. It is thinking that you are God. Thinking that you save yourself. But I counsel you that time is at hand but not yet come. Would you repent? Would you believe? Would you trust in Jesus Christ alone? Would you kiss the sun? Would you call upon the name of the Lord? And maybe you are Christian and you are a Christian but have living a, a, a life of arrogance and pride because of this, because of that, because of the other. I want to give you an opportunity to trust in Jesus Christ. To repent and trust in him. He gives grace to the humble. And he mocks and he opposes the proud. Heavenly Father, we pray that you have mercy upon us. Thank you for humbling us. Thank you for opening our eyes to our arrogance. Be humble before you, God Almighty. We flee Babylon. We come to Jerusalem. We come to Jesus Christ. For salvation is of the Jews. Salvation is of Jesus Christ alone. The Lord of history. The one who is the judge. Also is the savior. Save us. We pray in Jesus name. Amen. You have been listening to part one. Of this message entitled. Jesus Christ. The Lord of history. Come back soon for part two of this message. From Pastor P.G. Matthew. Matthew. 